This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 272, Comic Talk Spotlight on Daredevil. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 272. It's our Comic Talk Spotlight episode on Daredevil. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and today we're having a conversation with Kuljeet Mithra, who is the creator of the Man Without Fear website, uh, one of the best Daredevil uh, resources on the internet, uh, and probably one of the earliest as well. Um, So we have a conversation coming up in just a few minutes where uh, we basically talk about Daredevil, uh, where the Daredevil character's been, um, Goljeet's history with the character as well, as well as with the website, um, and all the kind of the crazy fun stuff that comes along the way. Um, before we get into the show, though, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, for those who want to submit questions for upcoming interview with uh, Chuck Dixon, please do so. Also, we have an upcoming episode next month uh, in June, where we'll be interviewing uh, Patrick O'Leaf, who is a extremely good artist who prominently has done work on uh, Spider-Girl as well as Untold Tales of Spider-Man and much, 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 much more. Uh, so if you want to submit some questions for that, please uh, send them to comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Uh, in the subject line, put questions for either Chuck Dixon or Patrick O'Leaf. Um, and you can also, by the way, you can send us emails at that uh, address or you can also like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also post in our HG Realms thread when that goes up as well. We're also now on Stitcher, so you can also listen to the show there. Uh, if you download the Podbean app, you can also listen to our podcast there as well. So thank you very much for tuning into this episode, uh, and let's jump right into the conversation with Kuljeet Mithra. Kuljeet, welcome, welcome to Comic Shenanigans. Thank you, Adam. So thank you for joining us today. So today we're going to talk some Daredevil, and specifically we're also going to talk about your amazing website. Okay. <laughs> um, now, first of all, for those who haven't checked out the manwithoutfear.com before, how long have you been maintaining the website? Uh, since 1996, so I guess that's 19 wow, years, that, I guess. that is a long time. <laughs> yeah, it is a long time. <laughs> what, uh, what prompted you to originally put together the website? Uh, you know, it was really not really planned or anything like that I was uh, I was in uh, my final year of university at uh, Toronto and uh, I was in the comp sci uh, program so around that time I guess all of these uh, this amazing thing called the internet was starting out and you know things were uh, you know like uh, Netscape remember that 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 was like that was like the big uh, thing the browser and and you know, all these websites were showing up. So, just sitting in the sitting in the computer lab one day, and thought, "Hey, why don't I just uh, teach myself this thing?" And I, I don't know why I chose Daredevil. I guess it was the only comic I had been like really collecting for the longest time. Like, it's the only comic I've really never stopped reading. So, I guess I just thought, "Okay, I'll just make like a simple website." You know, some pictures here and there, some information just to, just to, you know, just to try it out. And then people started visiting the site and, you know, checking it out. And I just kept on updating and here we are. Yeah, <laughs> like really, I, I have, I have no real, you know, big uh, agenda with it. All I did was, uh, you know, just make a website to learn html and things like that and then i started noticing people checking out the site and 
you know, a lot of other Daredevil fans out there, and it just grew from there. You know, it's interesting. I, in some ways, I don't know. It's kind of a circuitous route, but in some ways, I don't know if I would actually have this podcast if it weren't for your website, which sounds a little crazy. But I remember about 10, 11 years ago, um, I remember I came upon your website, really liked it, thought it was great. And I remember going through the section where you used to link to people's reviews. And um, because of that, I ended up finding a website that I liked, and I ended up becoming a reviewer for, for them. And I think I reviewed comics for them for maybe six years and, and it was because of that kind of interest that eventually also got me into podcasting as well so I don't know if I ever would have necessarily taken the jump to become a comics reviewer if I hadn't found that site on your website so it's, well no, now you're just giving me too much credit for that but okay <laughs> well you, you definitely changed the course of, of part of my life and that's that's which again sounds crazy but uh, and I guess it is but again I don't know if I ever would have started writing comic reviews if it wasn't for that. And I only found ComicStream.com, which doesn't even exist anymore, uh, because of your website. And I remember it was very surreal for me just a couple of years later seeing my reviews linked on your website. And I was like, well, that's, that's kind of crazy because that's, that's how I came into the game to begin with. <laughs> right, yeah, because I do remember uh, I used to you know, I email you and ask you if the reviews were up and I would just link to uh, all the different reviews that were coming out, mainly because I just didn't have time to write anything right it's just just updating the site was enough time that i could spare so writing reviews i just figured i'll just uh, ask people if uh, it'd be okay to just link to the review so i do remember you from that so your t- your time saving technique changed my life <laughs> um, but <laughs> which is again a very weird way of looking at it but yes um, so what is it? so you said that Daredevil's kind of been your your that one character they always follow. For me, it's been Spider Man, but um, I've always had, had Daredevil very close to my heart as well. Um, so what is it about Daredevil that's always kind of attracted you? Uh, you know, at first when I first started reading it, it was you know the gimmick of it. You know, he's he's this blind guy and he can do all these uh, you know crazy things and. Uh, just from there just reading all the different stories and all the you know the great writers and artists that have been on this title just all these all these things that i just appreciate all these you know great stories that have come out of it like i don't know what it is why i continue with it i just find it exciting to read every month and all the different things associated with it and i get excited by other people's excitement about the comic as well and hearing all the different all the different views and opinions of how things are with the character what they didn't like what they do like it's just simple like that i mm-hmm. it's not uh not, not terribly so. complicated i guess <laughs> yeah, yeah it's interesting because i guess as as daredevil fans i mean the last what 15 17 years that we've been kind of spoiled for the most part yeah like volume two is just like that was like just great stuff like that whole from 1998 i guess that was till you know when they started all this renumbering and re rebooting all this stuff but even even then into volume three volume four whatever they're calling them now uh just great stuff it's uh you know what can you say (laughs) 
I guess what's more remarkable is almost the level of consistency of quality, even when the types of stories have changed. I mean, you mentioned Volume 2. Well, in Volume 2, there was a few kind of major kind of um, sensibility shifts within it. And then Volume 3 and 4 were so completely different from Volume 2, and yet were so, well, first of all, breath of fresh air, but also just so enjoyable. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the shift from that Mark Wade did. Uh, I know that a lot of people are, you know, they they don't find it that great. But I do notice from the site that there there are a lot of new re- readers that are only attempting to read it because they didn't want to read something that was just so depressing. I guess to call it like from Volume Two, uh, just everything going bad with the guy. So it, it's strange just seeing, you know, from when I started the site that that was. Like during the time of uh, uh, J.M. DeMatteis, I hope I'm saying his name right, uh, when he had his run, and just when uh, Carl Kessel was starting up mm-hmm. with Carrie, Carrie Nord, just that whole thing there. They were even saying, "Oh, this is too light. This isn't uh, this isn't Daredevil." But I, I enjoyed those stories. They were they were pretty good. I I I, I have enjoyed Mark Wade's uh, take on it. Now, I know that a lot of people... Oh, sorry, go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. No, I know a lot of people are just wondering where this new story is going <laughs> with the, uh, you know, this different costume that he's running around in now. I actually really... Yeah, it's it's so outlandish, but again, it, it works for the style, and especially with uh, Somnion artwork, like, it just seems right, even though I feel like if you told me 10 years ago that that would be his costume, I would have been like, there's no way. Yeah, it is kind of different, but I'm just wondering if they're just, they know something is going to happen with all this Secret Wars stuff going on right now, if they can just get away with whatever they want right now, if there's going to be like this big, you know, reboot of everything and they can start stories again. Uh, I don't know how they're going to get out of uh, out of this story here, of all the, his identity uh, pretty much public and all these things that have happened. I don't know if you've read the last issue. What was it, 15? All the all the things that happened in that issue. Uh, I think I actually might be behind by just one issue. I can't remember for sure. Yeah, I think just, just the one. So I'll have to... I'm a little behind, so I'll have to read that one to find out exactly of what you speak. <laughs> although okay, I think... I won't I, spoil it then. <laughs> although, you know what? I think I did read it. I, I can't seem to find it on my, in, in my list of comics I haven't read yet, so... I guess I, I probably did read it, but it's interesting because the whole concept of Daredevil losing the secret identity, I mean, there was once upon a time that it seemed like, you know, Tony Stark used to, you know, they, the identity was secret, and then they made it public, and then they made it secret again, and then they made it public, and they've never really backed down from that since, and they've pretty, you know, proudly proclaimed that that's kind of the way they're going, so, I don't know, with Daredevil, maybe they don't have to go back. Yeah, I'm just wondering what they're going to do with, uh, you know, all the things that they're up to with this story, how they're going to get, you know, his uh, his whole life uh, back to normal with all the revelations and then going to oh. that person at the end of the issue. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if you have read it or not. Yeah, actually, actually, you know what, the minute you have. mentioned that, I remember it. Yeah, now I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I was surprised to see that character there. Yes. Because I guess we haven't seen that character since, like, a Spider-Man book. So it just seemed very out of 
out of left field and I don't know and again you're right how do you put that kind of gene in the bottle the way that they did it with the you know all the surveillance and and all the kind of the hidden secrets how do you kind of go back from that because it's one thing to have your identity not be secret but it's another thing to have everyone's secrets go public yes <laughs> but I guess we'll have to see what Mark so Wade has in store yeah so that that that's why I mentioned Secret Wars, like, you know, all these rumors, like, everything is, you know, ending and like that, so maybe there is, like, a volume five on the horizon where, you know, maybe they'll do some kind of, uh, you know, more in line with the show, mm. that kind of tone, because I know that, you know, maybe the the lighthearted, you know, approach that, I'm putting lighthearted in air quotes, um, uh, you know the thing that everybody's saying it's too light but maybe people want to get back to the the grim and gritty as they used to call it hmm. yeah that's i i understand why they would do it and I'm, I'm i'm appreciative of the again quote-unquote lighter tone it's only lighter when you compare it with how depressing his life had become um because yeah. there's still some pretty dark stuff that wade's been doing i mean even with foggy having his cancer like that's not yeah. light material yeah and and I mention that to people and they do email me and say, you know, is this thing just, you know, happy and bright art and everything like that? And, you know, the artwork is great. It's, you know, nice colors uh, uh, with uh, Javier Rodriguez and, and uh, now Matt Wilson. But uh, the, the stories themselves are not lighthearted at all. Like, there are a lot of very serious things things that they've talked about in these issues you know with uh, even the original sin tie-in with uh, matt's mom oh especially that was very much a soapbox type thing right you know and uh, you know what you mentioned as well with foggy you know it's not even the purple man showing up none of these things were you know everybody's joking around kind of thing so i gotta say when uh, when they had that issue where uh, purple man got hit by that truck that actually shocked me because I didn't think he could heal from that. So I was like, oh my God, did they just kill him? Like, I don't feel like modern comics usually can shock me or surprise me. That time I was like, holy crap. Yeah, yeah, that did come out of nowhere there. Although I remember on in volume two when when Brubaker kind of quote unquote killed Foggy, I totally got suckered into that. I totally like, you know, I know the first kind of rule of comic book death is if there's no body, it didn't happen completely yep. forgot about it because it was so well done and I remember being like oh my god he's dead like I actually cared and then they took it back and I felt like that was a, a very earned kind of reveal because sometimes it feels cheap and shocky but here it felt like no he just told it so well that you forgot this you know primary tenant that you're taught to believe once you understand comic book death yeah, and I'm surprised that they're doing the same kind of thing here but yeah like that uh, that whole brewbreaker run was uh, so well done and i just felt that when when it did come out i did notice on through my site and through people corresponding with me and things like that it's just it wasn't uh, i don't know it wasn't as popular as the bendis malieve stuff but mm. i thought it was just as good uh, i i don't know what it was i even noticed like a drop even in like traffic on the website oh really yeah it is very weird i, I noticed it, uh, it like as that run kept going and i was enjoying it everything was really good the people that were discussing it on the site were 
you know, fans of it, but I did notice there wasn't as much discussion about it. And there wasn't as many people coming to talk about it. It's interesting. You know, I, I got to admit, I mean, I agree that I, I had a few friends who were really big fans of, of, of the Bendis Maleev run, and they were like, yeah, it's okay, but they always said but, you know, like they always kind of had to put a caveat that somehow it was lesser, which I never understood because he just took the same themes and kept running with it. Uh, maybe it felt less ambitious in some ways because Bendis kind of went, like really did change status quos, whereas maybe Brewbreakers just played in more or less existing status quos and maybe that was part of what was making them feel like it was lesser. I don't know. And maybe it just ties into why they made that change with the approach with Wade. Just get get it out of that kind of, uh, you know, tone. Maybe mm. people were not enjoying just here's the latest thing that's wrong or something bad is going to happen to him that kind of thing i don't know <laughs> that's a good question um yeah. now you mentioned your first kind of major exposure to uh the daredevil was in that kind of the uh Demetrius run now was he wearing his armored costume still at that point or had he just given it up uh he was there was that whole story where he's basically uh going a bit crazy where he's seeing multiple personalities and he's seeing different versions of himself in the costume kind of thing it, it was around 347 I believe around there 348 that's okay. when I first started the site my first daredevil was way before that okay um, now it's interesting because I, I think my first exposure to daredevil himself was actually in like an amazing Spider-Man issue in like 94. But again, it was Mark Bagley doing the, doing the art, but it was the armored costume. And so even okay. though I know the armored costume isn't supposed to be that good and is very much in excess of the period, I will always have a, a special place in my heart. In fact, um, when I was getting married, my gift from my groomsman was a statue of the Daredevil, but in the armored costume. And oh, it's, nice. a, it's an awesome statue, but it's very much like, this is a, a love letter from the 90s. <laughs> yeah, and that whole Fall from Grace arc with uh, Chichester and uh, uh, McDaniel, it, it gets a lot of grief. But And from talking with them through the site, I, I've got to know them pretty well, because when I first started the site, they were like one of the first few uh, people who did get in touch with me it was pretty pretty nice you know I'm starting this website just as a you know you know as I mentioned to you just starting it up to learn HTML I wasn't really doing it to you know be this daredevil guy that I've become which you you know you think I am but um, <laughs> but basically like when when I first started talking with them they, even they said to me like yeah we know that it's a change, but we want to get people interested in reading this comic because nobody's taking Daredevil seriously. Or at that time, we're on it. Like, that was, like, 93, 94. Mm -hmm. You know, even even through all the, you know, all the other uh, comics that were coming out at that time, and I guess that speculator thing was still going on around then, so they just figured, let's uh, get more people reading Daredevil. And I know that even they admit that there were too many too many people or too many characters in the in the comic and you know maybe the change was too much but they admit it they 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 wanted to get more people reading daredevil and even i've i've told them in the in the times that i have interviewed them that uh you know 
yeah, I, I, I found, you know, these issues, there's just way too much going on. It doesn't make any sense. Some of the artwork is too, you know, dark, just a lot of inking and oh, yeah. layouts. Layouts are not very good, but, uh, you know, I still appreciate the, the effort there of trying to get more people reading Daredevil because even uh, Dan Chichester, he, he admitted that basically nobody cared about Daredevil at, at Marvel at that time. It was just basically uh, let's do X-Men, like 500 titles of X-Men and get that out and 500 titles of Spider-Man, just keep keep you know shipping those. No, for sure. It definitely, yeah, it feels like... <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting actually because I mean Chichester's early work on Daredevil I always thought was extremely strong. Like he really kind of came out of the gate, really you know in the what two nineties. Like I I've always loved Last Rites. I've always thought it was a great kind of oh, end yeah. end point to that whole Kingpin storyline. Like if we'd never seen him again, I would have been fine with it. Yep. <laughs> Just because it was it was it was the perfect kind of counterpoint to Born Again. Um, yeah, it was such a great story. Yeah, like I just feel like that's like the conclusion to Born Again. Like everything just uh, you know ties up right there, right at the end. Who would you say are your kind of your your favorite Daredevil creators, or you know some of the, the standouts besides besides the names everyone would expect? Maybe the more unknown ones. Well, when I first started uh, reading Daredevil, maybe I'll go into that story. That'll probably make. Uh, more sense with the choices that I have like uh, so you're, you're from Toronto right I am indeed okay so do you, do you know uh, Agent Court Mall yes okay so basically in there there used to be this store called Bargain Heralds that discount store oh yeah so, so like in that mall downstairs there was this store and I needed to buy something because I was going on a trip or something a family road trip so I found uh a little black and white reprint book of Daredevil there. Oh. And I, I had no idea who he was. I didn't know anything about comics at the time. This is like 1983, 84, something like that. I wasn't collecting comics at that time. So there was that Daredevil book there, and I just said, okay, I'll, I'll pick this up. This looks interesting. And that's where I first learned about Daredevil, all the powers and everything like that. So in that book... There were two reprints of Wally Wood uh, Daredevils, so uh, one with uh, Stilt Man. Nice. You know, everybody makes fun of him, but that was uh, my first <laughs> my first experience with Daredevil, and uh, also the Fellowship of Fear with Mister Fear and Ox and Eel. Nice. So, so that's why I've always really liked Wally Wood's uh, Daredevil, and even in even in that black and white book, I didn't even really see the red costume because it wasn't it wasn't red so there was one story where his costume's supposed to be the yellow and black and then the other costume is red because there's one story that's you know before the change and after the change of costume okay so i didn't even know about the costume really i just on the front cover it, it had a red costume and on the back there were a couple of uh, pictures from the the comics themselves but it was just a black and white book where they had taken panels and just pasted them onto single pages in a paperback book basically so from there i you know became a fan i really liked uh just the character as i said all the all the different you know crazy things he could do 
So then I guess I discovered there were, you know, these things that, uh, these stores that actually sold comics. So, so I went into uh, Silver Snail. Nice. Downtown. I also uh, went to, do, do you know, in, uh, was it Thornhill Square up in uh, Markham? Okay. So basically there I picked up uh, issue 219. It was, uh, it was uh, Frank Miller had come back to Daredevil. So I had no idea who he was was right <laughs> of course not <laughs> i just read in the thing oh frank frank miller has come back for a special you know issue here so and, and even in that issue he's not even in his costume and it, he doesn't even like really talk in the comic because i had no idea what the hell was going on with this this comic but from there i collected f- from there every month so that was during the o'neill uh Mazzuchelli run okay and I would and I would go try to find back issues. So basically, I worked my way front and back from two nineteen. So I read all of the O'Neill Mazzuchelli stuff, and then right into Miller coming back again to do Born Again. So my long-winded, uh, you know, story there. My favorite, you know, creators are Wally Wood, Miller, Jansen. O'Neill, Mazzuchelli. I like the Bendis, Maliv stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also like some of the, you know, some of the other ones that uh, don't really get too much attention. I did like, uh, let's see, Mackenzie. Well, Mackenzie's stuff is, you know, it leads into into Miller's uh, work, and I I think that he doesn't get enough credit on Daredevil. Uh, you know, people always forget that, you know, he did work on this title. It wasn't all just Miller, right? Um, I did like a lot of the, a lot of the later volume one stuff. Okay. I didn't, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the older, um, you know, right from Stan Lee forward, the stories are not that great, but Gene Colan is, you know, from... I learned to appreciate his artwork from my site. Just, you know, people convincing me that this is this is like the best artist that has ever worked on Daredevil, right? Because I never really took any of those older stories seriously enough to read them properly. So, <laughs> because they're, you know, they're they're, they're pretty goofy. bad. I, I don't want to say, you know, I, I don't want to say that they're uh, classic stuff. Like you can never read those and still. You know, still know what Daredevil's all about. So you're saying but, you're not a fan of Mike Murdoch? <laughs> <laughs> for for good comedy, I guess. Yes. I did like in the TV show that he went by the, that kind of alias. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was obviously for the fans. Yes, it was. <laughs> I guess we should talk about the TV series because obviously that's getting more people talking about Daredevil. He's getting a season two. It's been kind of a a major success. Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised by just how good it was. Yeah, I'm pretty happy that, you know, now I can finally say that, yeah, I run a Daredevil site and they don't, you know, ask me about Ben Affleck. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what it's, what it's been, because people, you know, most people don't collect comics out in, you know, 
you know, at my workplace or wherever I go, you know, meeting people, they just don't read comics. It's just the way it is, right? Absolutely. So the only, the only way that they know Daredevil is through the 2003 movie and Ben Affleck. So why are you running a site about Ben Affleck? So they, they don't even realize that it's really a comic first, and it's always going to be. <laughs> so I'm just glad that now people actually are coming to me at work and going, hey, that, that show, your show, they call it like my show, like I had something to do with it, but, you know, your show is like, it's amazing. So it's just, uh, that's good to hear finally. Like I don't, you know, have to like, you know, pretend that, oh, yeah, okay, all right, please stop making fun of Daredevil. No, I but get that completely. I mean, with with the more, <laughs> with the bigger advent of comic book movies being better and better, you know, suddenly being a comic book fan isn't the giant stigma it was a long time ago. Yeah, it used to be very different, right? I mean, before, you know, what the two thousand, you know, X Men movie. I mean, they really weren't talking about that in popular culture. It was around, but it wasn't given the same kind of respect. And ever since then, especially since Iron Man in the 2008, right? Like, that's really the the high watermark in most ways. Yeah, and I'm glad that, you know, Fox uh, gave, gave Daredevil back to Marvel and uh, was able to, you know, let this happen. Like, uh, I was afraid when, you know, Fox was, you know, they started making all these plans that, hey, we're going to do a reboot and just... And then all the rumors that it was just going to be born again, the story. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, how, how do you, how do you really just throw that into like, you know, like this reboot of a movie? Like, there's no you real can't build up to no, it. Right? You can't start with it. You know, it, right? That, like, that's like the third movie. Like, as everybody tries to make all these trilogies of these movies, like I, I would feel like that's like the end story. Yeah. So, or the middle so one, pretty, or you could put last rights yeah. last, right? Like, but not the first one. No, there definitely needs to not. Be some kind of some kind of build up. So I was worried about that when you know there were all those rumors that it was happening, and then all the all the things. Uh, then the director, I guess, he had to David Slade had to leave to go work on Hannibal, which is mm. a great show, fantastic so. show. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad he went to that anyway, but. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, they filmed that in uh, Toronto, by the way. No, that I, that I knew. There's a lot of Canadian actors in that, and you can definitely yeah, yeah. tell where it's filmed. I can't wait for season three of that. Yes. Um, yeah, they filmed, they filmed uh, the FBI uh, headquarters at my old university there in Scarborough campus. Well, that's awesome. I didn't actually know that part. <laughs> the more you know. Yeah. Which interesting... Yeah, so basically, yeah, like, once it came back to... Marvel, and then I just thought, okay, they're just gonna just keep them, you know, and they won't even know what to do with it, right? Because I don't think they really knew what to do with them, but I'm just glad, like, Netflix is even around that, that this is even possible. Because mm-hmm. really, it couldn't have happened unless they went to, like, HBO or AMC or something like that. And even then, maybe not. Yeah. Like, they, they kind of get around a lot of you know, the kind of censorship problems, even on those type of networks to just kind of do whatever they wanted, which ended up working out really well. When I kind of think about the original Daredevil movie is kind of that it it ran the same problem as the Green Lantern movie in that they kind of tried to pack as much of the mythos in at once 
instead of just yeah. telling a good story, they were like, well, we got to hit Kingpin. we got to do Elektra. we got to do Bullseye. we got to do everything at once in case we don't get a chance to do it again. The Green right. Lantern movie felt the same way. we got to do everything because we may never get another shot at this. Right. Yeah, Whereas, that, yeah that's what I felt about the movie. I think first there was, you know, I don't think Fox really, you know, had this idea of what, was really there i think they just saw the success of spider-man at the i think it was like a year before that yeah and then they just tried to put all those same elements into daredevil like let's have all the you know all the crazy music in there and have all the (laughs) all the all the uh you know the stunts and things the effects of the time yeah all the wire work yeah and they didn't really put a lot into the cgi too Oh no, it was terrible. Like, the only CGI I really liked on that was uh, the Shadow World, is what they called it. Like, how he was able to see. Like, that was really well done, I thought. Yeah. But the they rest spent all like, their money on that, though. Yeah, the just the whole, you know, that, that church uh, yeah, that you know, ter- fight. Yeah. The, <laughs> the scene where they're, they're fighting, like, when Daredevil runs at Bullseye, who's on the motorcycle, and then that slow motion oh. thing there, and then. You know, they they needed to. It, it was like they just didn't have any faith in it. It just uh, they just didn't know what to do with it. I think, and you know, uh, you know, Mark Stephen Johnson. There's a whole other story of like when even before he he even got that job, he was in touch with me through the site. You know, this is what my site does. It just you know, all these people start talking to me. It's, you know, luckily, I, I'm not, like, actively looking them out. They, they're, like, looking at the site, which I always find funny. Like, even now, like, just, you know, I'll get random emails from people who work on the comic or used to, and they just tell me all these stories. Like, like I thought that at that time, Mark Steven Johnson would send me like all these storyboards and things and ask me my opinion of them. And this is even before he even had the job right he basically wow. he basically paid to have all these storyboards done to get himself hired to make daredevil so when i saw all those they were like really great like if they had made that what he had in those storyboards i think people would have a different different impression hmm. so i don't want to say anything bad about mark stephen johnson I, I think he had he had the right uh you know the right ideas but i think he just ran into just having to put too much into it to satisfy all the rest of the you know the executives at whoever was in charge there i think for the most part a lot of those types of superhero movies people i generally i think they don't actually blame the directors because i think a lot of them do feel like they're giant corporate you know productions that you have to kind of look at the top to be really upset because I think everyone kind of understands that working in something like that, it's there's so many strings. Yeah. You know, you can't really do what you want. And I think because that was like one of his first uh, action movies, right? I think he, what had he done before that? I think like Grumpy Old Man or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Which was also filmed uh, here in Canada as well. Oh, that I didn't know. (laughs) I'm full of the... uh, the useless uh, Canadian trivia now. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I guess they just thought, you know what? This guy made very grumpy old men. Let's let's make a superhero movie. 
But it, you know, sometimes those weird so, choices are what work. I mean, look at Captain America: Winter Soldier. The Russos had done episodes of Community, and yeah. then suddenly they do an amazing superhero movie. So you never really know what someone's actual talent can be. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then they followed that thing up with Electra, which I think was the bad idea. I think they should have just done another Daredevil, but uh, mm. oh, well, at least we have the show now. <laughs> at least we can, I can just you know keep watching that. And you were know, you that, su- were you surprised with the show that they didn't, um, you know, that they ignored the temptation of bringing in Bullseye and Electra? I'm surprised, and I'm glad that they did it. I think just just having too many characters in there at one time probably would have uh, spoiled it, I guess. And, and it, it's good that now that we can go to a season two and they can slowly, you know, bring in some of these characters because they've already hinted at Elektra. They've, mm-hmm. you know, and they, you know, they had all those characters uh, with all those aces, spades, playing cards all around. So yeah. <laughs> if, if you noticed, but uh, so maybe Bullseye will show up as well, but it's good. I, I like that they're slowly building it. Like they they have you know they have the faith in their story that they're building that you know they they don't have to throw everything right now at the at the show. Were you happy with the final Daredevil costume, or were you almost sad to see the the street kind of look go? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I, I actually did like the the black you know bandana costume from. You know, inspired by the uh, Man Without Fear uh, series, uh, and at the end, it just seemed. Uh, did it seem weird to you? Like right at the end, where he, he just gets this costume and he starts doing all these poses, <laughs> like yeah. when he's fight when he's fighting Kingpin or Wilson Fisk. I guess they don't call him Kingpin yet, but uh, it, it just seemed strange. And I, I don't know how that costume is going to look when it's not, uh, you know, nighttime. Like, how is that going to look if he's, like, fighting crime during the day? Is it going to look okay? I don't think it's ever daytime in Hell's Kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, right. So he's never going to be able to fight crime during the day. And if he ever shows up in any other Marvel movies or shows, like, how are they going to do that? So I'm just worried about that part of it. The costume, I think they'll they'll tweak it a bit. I think they're just going to say that this is, like, you know, Melvin Potter, uh, you know, just created something quickly for him. So yeah. maybe they'll just tweak it a little bit and add more red to it or black or whatever color they're going to go with. I was actually really happy to see how they used Melvin Potter. Like, it was a nice kind of melding of both pre and post, like, him having a breakdown and meeting his girlfriend. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was really good. I, I liked uh, how they just made him seem like this, uh, you know, really tough guy. But you know that... You know, if you have followed the the comic, that you know the the other side of him and all the psychological issues he's had to deal with. I did like him throwing the blades as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Again, it was it was the little touches that most people would never even notice, and it's just like, no, that's what he does. Yeah, <laughs> all and, the and time. You did, you did notice, like uh, on the on the table, there was like a like a design for his uh, yellow and blue costume. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then also in the background, there's like I think Stiltman's legs. I don't know if I caught that. I'll have to check that out. And then also the uh, the blades that he throws; those are uh, I think they were Caxton Industries, and that's the that's the company that Stiltman Wilbur Day 
worked for. While oh he was... shit, that's right. <laughs> so they threw a lot of Easter eggs into this show. The people who, who worked on it, like they did pretty good with that. It's too bad we'll never see Stiltman. Like he just doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah, because I know that uh, Stephen tonight really likes Stiltman, uh, but I don't think they could ever really do that in the show. It would just. Uh, you know, maybe it's just too much to try to put in there. Yeah, I could maybe once they've done the other kind of members of the Defenders that are a little bit lighter in tone, <laughs> then maybe they could have it in there. But yeah, in Daredevil alone, like I don't think it fits at all. Like not in yeah. the world that they built. Right. It's gonna be interesting to see how how the world kind of expands now that we get the rest of the series eventually, and also how Daredevil season two will kind of play a part of that since it wasn't originally part of the plan. Yeah, like I'm wondering how much they really had uh, outlined with the other shows and what this new season is going to change with any of those plans. Like, did they already know that, okay, did they have, like, this plan in place that, okay, here's how things are going to work if we don't get another season of Daredevil, and here's how it's going to work with another season. And are they going to have other seasons of those other shows? Like, who knows, right? Maybe they will have a two seasons of Iron Fist or something if, if it goes well. I would love to live in a world where Iron Fist gets two seasons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although I think that one might actually not be as hard to sell as, as Luke Cage, because I think Luke Cage might actually be harder to do. Yeah, or maybe they can make like a second season of like you know Power Man and Iron Fist, like some kind of Heroes for Hire kind of... Uh, thing like that to combine that, them together that'd be awesome i mean and basically that's that's what the comic book history was like for them to combine two low-selling books and do uh <laughs> into a weirder low-selling book <laughs> eh, you never know like i, I kind of I, I do miss that old age of comics where you could just do stuff like that like now they're so corporate and it feels like that kind of experimentation doesn't happen but back then hey we got two two books that don't sell let's just mash them together like, that's not really a thing anymore. I mean, even the fact that, like, X-Men are even around at all is because the main book went and became a reprint book because it wasn't selling. How does that even make sense to anybody? <laughs> this, yeah. is, this isn't selling well, so we're going to reprint the issues that didn't sell well, but in, like, a quarterly fashion. Like, I, I love the comic book industry because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yep, that's very true. Yeah, and even they were going to, uh, when Daredevil was bi-monthly, I think they were even before Miller they were going to combine his title with Iron Man because his his book wasn't selling either so they Ooh. were going to combine Iron Man and Daredevil together in a in like a book like that now that's a weird book yeah well, I don't know if the stories would be together. Maybe there would be like an Iron Man story at the ah, front and then a Daredevil story gotcha. at the back, that kind of thing. So they're kind of like a 60s thing because they used to have a lot of yeah. those combo books back before they could actually publish enough. Cause of, uh, <laughs> and again, that's an interesting period too where you had like characters just sharing books because they couldn't publish enough. Because yeah. I think in a lot of ways that just uh, made them more creative whereas now when you can kind of publish anything not it doesn't necessarily mandate the same level level of creativity yeah i but find it more oh sorry go ahead. Uh, i was just gonna say especially when like you know in dc's case they could just publish another batman book or you know at marvel just another avengers guardians or x-men book it's a lot easier to just to slap one of those out yeah it's uh, <laughs> we always have to remember it's a business so they're gonna they're gonna keep selling us what people are reading right Oh. Can you imagine a world where we'd actually have two Daredevil comics? See, that's the thing. I don't know if uh, 
are there enough readers to do that? That that's the thing. Right? Probably I, I, not. I would love it. I would buy it, of course. But uh, I just don't know. Like I haven't, and just the popularity of the character. It's always just seemed to be like, uh, oh, it's it's not Frank Miller, so I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna try reading this thing. I'll I never guess. understand that. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. Like a lot of people who are, you know coming back to this show now the the people who know about daredevil are just you know referring to oh it's just like frank miller stuff and that's all they're saying and they will never even try to check out any of the things that came out after frank miller true and there's a lot of good stuff there right absolutely but they are kind of right that a lot of the tv series does seem to draw a lot from his work I mean, the whole feeling of Hell's Kitchen is almost like a character in, in and of itself and, you know, the kind of the, the dark, seedy feeling that kind of permeates every scene. I mean, that really was something that people think of as Miller's work. I mean, obviously a lot of people have done that well as well and expanded upon it, but he's kind of the one that everyone remembers. Kind of screws over everyone who ever works on Daredevil, <laughs> to be honest. Yes, it, yeah, it that's what happens when you work on that title, right? You're just going to be compared to Miller and then the person who was before you. But uh, but I think Volume 2, at least uh, a lot of really good stories came out of that. And, you know, Bendis came out of uh, pretty much nowhere for to become this, you know, main guy at Marvel. And, mm-hmm. You know, and they took a chance with a lot of people on that. And that's with Marvel Knights as well, when Joe Quesada and Jim Palmiotti started that, just having these different people working on the books. And that I was, always that say was that if, one, one hell of a shot in the arm. And, and I always think that, you know, what would have happened to Marvel if they never even did that deal to, you know, reboot Daredevil and do this Marvel Knights Daredevil book? what would have happened to marvel would they still be bankrupt would they would there be like all these different creators working there right now because basically they brought in bendis and mark millar and you know all these other people that work like paul jenkins on inhumans and then mm-hmm. and, and just this whole different uh feel to the comics a good point actually because uh, yeah there's so much of what ended up becoming marvel after that period was because of of Marvel Knights and I, I still remember when Marvel Knights happened and it was kind of a, a weird kind of feeling because everyone was kind of like what is this going to be yeah like I, I was worried that you know they were just going to come and do like uh, maybe like six issues or twelve issues and that was it they're done they're going to leave like that kind of deal mm. so I'm happy that at least uh, you know they continued and and then we got the Bendis Maleev run like that was like it's it's so good that run and it, it should be you know and, and they did use a lot of that in the show as well that kind of tone which I, I'm sure Bendis you know you know referred to a lot of his uh, you know his first comics with Daredevil with Miller as well mm-hmm. so before we wrap up I want to ask you some uh, quick questions okay sure um, who do you th- who is kind of your, your favorite Daredevil love interest Cause there's some good ones. Yeah. Uh, you know what? For some reason, I still like uh, Black Widow. It's a good answer. Yeah, like uh, Karen, 
Karen, I really didn't uh, read too much of her because when I first started, she was just this, you know, her character in 1960s was pretty, you know, she was just there to be this person who's just, you know, working for the working for them in the office and just, uh, oh, Matt Murdock, you know, when, when am I going to, you know, be with you, that kind of, you know, <laughs> attitude, right? It's not, it's not the greatest character there, but uh, when, when she wasn't born again and then I didn't really know too much about her before that. Okay. Like what happened? Why did she disappear for a long time and come back and then sell out Matt? So that, that was like a whole thing for me to you know as I was going backwards from there to read all those stories but uh, Karen I, I I started liking her again like as those stories started developing like how you know why Matt would take her back after what happened uh, I found that interesting but then you know then they killed her off so <laughs> yeah um, Electra I like I like the character of Elektra. Okay. Uh, I think I think uh, Elektra Assassin is like one of my favorite stories to read, like all the time. And if they if they ever bring her into the show or anything like that, I want her to be just like that cold assassin. I don't want her to be, you know, this happy, you know, character like what they tried to do with uh, the movie or whatever. It just. Uh, try to rehabilitate her just make her the cold-hearted assassin she is absolutely like, uh, um who else uh like i remember uh, one of my favorite scenes in bendis's run was uh when he's on the rooftop i think just after his, his identity was outed and he's just trying to talk to Electra, and she's not giving him anything and he's like yeah. he's like i wish we never left that room and she just takes <laughs> off yeah. and he's just like you idiot like it's just a great <laughs> moment because you know, he knows not to say anything. He knows it's a bad idea. He knows that she's so cold. And he does yeah. it anyway because he still loves her and she just does nothing. <laughs> like, it was, it was a very well done moment by both Bendis and Maliv. There's a reason why their run was so highly regarded. Yeah. So I guess that I guess that's a tie then. I guess Black Widow and Elektra. It just depends on what's uh, going on. I really didn't like uh, uh, Mila. No? But... Uh, She's a little too damsel in distress, uh, and then yeah. kind of got really ruined by what yeah, Brubaker did. Yeah, I didn't did. like that, what they did to her at the, you know, just putting her into that... Uh, asylum? Asylum, Basically, yeah. yeah. So, and any any love for Heather Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, that, that, was, that was the other thing, because when I started reading... It was like a couple of issues later that she commits suicide. Oh, that's so I right. No yeah, idea what, I had no idea what even what that was all about either. It's pretty <laughs> intense I, for a kid. Yeah, so like I think I was what? Well, how old was I there? Like eleven, twelve years old. That's pretty so, intense. Yeah, so I had no idea who she was either, right? So, and at that time, obviously, there's no internet. There's no real. There's no real community to ask what what's going on. So basically, I had to try to find out what's going on, try to find back issues, try to do that. So I didn't really like Heather once I, you know, found out the whole story. But Matt really didn't treat her well at all, though. No. And Black <laughs> Widow didn't help. Yeah. Uh, and I guess what? There's Gloriana O'Brien. I always kind of liked her. She wasn't yeah, around she was, long. Okay. Like, that, that was during that whole run as well when I... But uh, 
yeah, some of those stories were pretty interesting. Like with uh, what's that? The, how do you pronounce it? Gael. Yes. And uh, and what else was there? Like some of those O'Neill Mazzucchelli uh, comics are like really good. I don't know why they don't reprint a lot of that. I'm hoping that now that we're getting these uh, upcoming epic collections that we'll start getting yeah. those. I mean, the fact that they're even collecting, uh, I think the next one that's coming out is the last kind of year or so of um, Volume 1, which has never really been reprinted or even talked about. Like, Well, yeah, nobody really wants to talk about Flying Blind. <laughs> well, no, no one does. It's Because it's, it's not very good. <laughs> like, what, what a sad, sad down note to go out on, like... It's just, yeah. yeah. Is it that easy to give someone their sight back? Like, seriously? No. Yeah. Let's just go to S.H.I.E.L.D., just do that. It'll be temporary, and then, you know, whatever. Was that them just kind of trying to live out the uh, the, the what-if that Frank Miller did where he was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? You know what? I, I, I've interviewed Scott Lovedell about that whole story, but, and I've, but then I've also interviewed a lot of other people who worked on that whole time in Daredevil, especially the editor, Tim Tuhoe. I, I hope I, I don't know how to say his last name properly, Okay. but if, if you ever read that interview on my website, you'll never think about like that story well again, like the whole behind the scenes stuff that was going on. Uh. It's, it's, very, it's very interesting. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other love interest that I've. I actually really like the current one, Kristen. Yeah, I think she's uh, she's funny, but I know a lot of people don't like her at all. They just think that she's just too too funny. And really, I, I never found her that funny. I just thought she was more. I don't know. She kept up with them. Like she didn't kind of let them off the hook. She felt like she has the most amount of spine than we've seen in most of his girlfriends that aren't already yeah. superheroes or, or assassins. Yeah, like she doesn't really need Matt like she's like okay do whatever you want hey, hey I'm I'm like the superstar right now or whatever right she, she doesn't really uh, need him that much so it's good to see that independence but I know a lot of people on my message board just do not like her and who else who else was there uh, uh, there's one I was thinking of well obviously there's Typhoid Mary but that's she's psychotic <laughs> so that's Man, okay if ever got her in the show that would be crazy that, that's what I thought uh, Rosario Dawson was going to be first. Typhoid. Ah. Actually, I think Typhoid Mary would actually work in a TV show because you could play with the different kind of aspects of a personality more though, more so than you could ever do in a movie. Yeah. Like, you, and, you need time to let things breathe, and that's what TV allows you in theory, is that you can kind of let certain things percolate and, and kind of work their magic, whereas if you have to condense it over a quick period of time, it wouldn't work. Yes, that's very true. Oh, I was, you know what? To... I was thinking of Echo, by the way. That's why I couldn't remember. Oh, right, right. I never really liked Echo. And I, I never really thought of her as, like, one of his girlfriends either. It's just, like, I think it's, like, just for that arc, right? And then that's it. I guess so. I thought it was longer than that, but I guess you're right. Yeah. Like, they don't really have much of an interaction, but she's yeah. usually thought of as kind of one of the one of the girls. Yeah, and... You know, the stories are funny because she's, you know, deaf and he's blind and they, the whole, they go to the movie theater thing. And, but, <laughs> That's uh, right. But, uh, but that, that was a good uh, a good run as well. David Mack as well on, on Daredevil as well. His uh, wake up and also the parts of a whole. But I, I think the uh, people just think of... Uh, 
you know, Guardian Devil and the Bendis Maleev stuff yeah. first. Well, because no one talks about the Gale stuff. <laughs> yeah, nobody does. And then it doesn't help that they don't uh, reprint any of that either. No. It, it just seems weird that that never gets uh, reprinted. So everything else in Volume 2 gets reprinted except for the, that story. Well, and it's did, not, and it's, I don't did, even think it's even in the, the Marvel Unlimited. No, eh? Well, that's sad. Now, have they uh, have they reprinted what issues fifty one to fifty five of Daredevil in volume two? Because that uh, was that was the standalone the, Echo story. Yeah, they did. They, they did. did. Okay, I couldn't remember that ever coming out because I guess, especially like you know, they reprint the Bendis stuff as like Omnibuy and and Ultimate Collections and all yeah. this stuff. So I guess, yeah, they just kind of forget about those few issues. I know that they did do a trade paperback and then that sold out pretty quick and then they did a hardcover like one of those premier hardcovers of it as well and I, I'm not sure if they did collect it in one of the oversized hardcovers really? I think they did yeah I think they did huh. I can't remember though I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't have thought that that would have kind of uh, I don't know earned it <laughs> <laughs> not that it was bad but it was just I guess it, reading it at the time it just felt like such a you know, abrupt, like, why isn't this just its own miniseries? Like, I don't want to read this. I want to read what's happening next in Daredevil's life. Well, that's what it really was supposed to be. And uh, I guess uh, after Daredevil declares himself king of Hell's Kitchen, Bendis and Maleev took a break. They wanted to take a few months off. So that's why they stuck that in the main title. So that whole Echo story wasn't even supposed to be in Daredevil. They just put it in there like that. Interesting. Now, I know I, I promised I was wrapping up, and then I asked you a ton more questions. Um, I do have a question. What would you say is kind of your favorite moment okay. of Volume 2? If you had to kind of pick one kind of thing, one or one issue, just something that kind of grabbed you and you were like, holy crap. Hmm. There are a lot of good moments in that whole vault. Oh, absolutely there are. Like, I'm, I'm not letting you off easy. <laughs> I'm giving yeah, you a tough one uh, to talk about. Yeah. Well, in the Bendis Maleev arc, that what I just mentioned, when he just basically just beats the crap out of Kingpin and becomes the Kingpin himself, I thought that was just great. And that was around the time that Bendis actually came to uh, the Toronto comic show. Yeah. And at that time that issue had just came out so that was cool I got to meet him and he, he signed that and uh, just uh, just talking about that whole that whole idea that like it just came out of nowhere and uh, I thought it was really good but then they went and did that you know a few months of Echo and then you had to wait even longer yeah for the resolution but, that I liked, but, but I also liked uh, the whole uh, Brubaker uh, Lark uh, part where he becomes the leader of the hand like at first um, I just didn't think it was going to be a good idea because I could see where it was going but I think when they finally got to that last issue it, it convinced me somehow that it was going to work but then I guess then they all left and then Andy Diggle came on and then I guess he had to do something different so I, I think if if Brubaker and those guys had 
had the chance to continue with that, I think uh, I think it really would have been some good stories there. But I guess they had to. I guess they wanted to go on and do some other things, and then Andy Diggle came on, and I don't know if any of those things were carried over from what Brubaker wanted to do or they were his own stories. He definitely got a, a I think a rough, I think he has gotten a rough deal um, because he, he was he was following up two, you know, really good oh, runs yeah. and yep. it, it doesn't hurt that Shadowland wasn't the greatest. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, uh, I'm being nice. I didn't, re- it, it was, yeah, it was, it was weird that when, when Shadowland came out then it had the five issue miniseries but also Daredevil was coming out at the same time and then all those tie-ins and everything but I loved the I loved the main Daredevil story in the Daredevil comic which okay. was about Shadowland but I didn't really like the Shadowland story itself with all of <laughs> these extra guest stars and all these extra people just showing up and doing all these things I liked the main title concentrating on a lot of the supporting characters which I, I guess is, I guess, which is what I like about Daredevil as well. He's got a great supporting cast. Like uh, the supporting cast is so is so great, and you're able to just weave in all these you know great characters. Like Dakota North comes out of nowhere, and she becomes you know, oh, there's another love interest. There you go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and, she, she's uh, the other woman. Yes, and uh, I like that Becky. Uh, Becky was back. Becky as well. Yeah, I like that Becky was back. Because where did she go? Like, where was she for like the longest time? Like, did they did they shut down the practice just before Born Again, and then she just never came back? And she just disappeared. And then now she's disappeared again. She just uh, had enough of what he was doing, and she just disappeared with everybody else. So all those characters, Dakota North, and then that detective, what was the name, Detective Kurtz as well, and oh, yeah. all those other people, they all disappeared after Shadowland, right? Well, I guess they, they needed a clean break, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the characters yeah, and, and sure. us. Yeah, and I'm sure Mark Wade didn't really want to deal with anything Shadowland any, you know, with his run. No. Because yeah, he, he, he just basically mentions it happens and he just keeps going, right? Which I think was the right move, because I think if they had to kind of slow down and, and kind of explain it, then it would have kind of it would have hampered any momentum he was trying to build, whereas he just kind of said, it happened, but we're not talking about it, and Matt's not going to talk about it. We're just going to yeah. go forward. That's kind of the Marvel Universe in general, right? Like, if there's something that happened, it still happened, but we won't talk about it. <laughs> Which, for the most part, has worked for the Marvel Universe, right? They, they just kind yeah. of ignore the things that are embarrassing, and just accept all the good stuff. So they really have it any way they want. Um, I think my answer to my own question, uh, and kind of my favorite moment of Volume 2, would probably be Hardcore Part 4, which I believe is Daredevil 49, when uh, Daredevil carves the uh, the target into uh, Bullseye's forehead. Oh, yeah. Because I always thought it was, a stu- it was stupid that they had to have the movie look, but if they had yeah. to do it, that was a badass way to do it, and it felt earned. And yeah. I remember reading it, and I was like, I think it was like walking... Walking back to work after I picked up my comics on a Wednesday afternoon and just being like, holy crap, like what is happening? And just, you know, even even the lettering was getting all like big as he was like screaming at him as he's like carving yeah. into his skull. And I was like, that's pretty, that, that is hardcore. 
Like, it was very on the nose. And I think that that's really always stuck out for me as one of my favorite moments of Volume 2. It's not a quiet moment. It's definitely a, a loud, oh, yeah. very violent moment. But, you know, again, it felt like something that was earned in the place of the story, uh, given where they were going with it. Yeah, there are a lot of good moments in that. In all of those arcs, they always seem to have, like, one, like, really crazy scene like you know right from the start kingpin gets stabbed and all these people are you know want to take over and and then what else is there and then you know him getting outed from the tabloid and then all those other people trying to kill him and it's just a lot of good stuff there absolutely actually i was just thinking another uh, another great moment but a funny one is uh when stiltman gives his armor over (laughs) yeah and then he basically knows you you know you you know who i am and all that stuff it's just (laughs) and doesn't he give it to foggy he's like foggy you want to be the new stiltman he's like nah Uh, it's crazy like the the character gets no respect but uh that's part of why we love him So maybe maybe they can do something in the show. They could have like Turk and uh, Stiltman fight over the, the the legs or something like that. <laughs> That's another thing I mentioned. I, I love that Turk was actually in the show. Yeah, like yeah, a lot of little touches were there, which was nice. Yeah, you got Turk. We've got uh, Josie's bar. Josie's bar. Although they never Just... broke the glass. Yeah, I, I was, like, waiting for that to happen. I'm going, come on, you have to throw Turk through that window. At least once, right? Like, it doesn't have to be every episode like it is in the comics, but come on. Yeah, but I think that bar looked way too nice. It, it needed to be more dingy, I guess, to throw somebody through the Yeah, the and Josie looked too nice. <laughs> Although, um, I think, um, what was it, Battle and Jack Murdoch, uh, the miniseries by, what, Zeb Wells and Carmine Digi Domenico, is like my one of my favorite kind of Daredevil stories, even though it's not even really about Matt himself. But I love that version of Josie, even though I know that that's the only place that 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 she's <laughs> yeah. that adorable and like wide eyed. Like it almost makes her story so much more tragic, knowing yeah. what she eventually becomes and how the bar is. Like it's very yep. sad. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's a great miniseries too. And I guess people don't pay attention to it because I guess they just think it's not in continuity or. But it is. But yeah, it, like I'm nothing sure. says it's not. Yeah, and I always Thanks. liked it because that that ending where they kind of flipped everything, and that yeah. like you know that Jack knew. I, like, I always thought yeah. that was such a smart decision, and like why oh, didn't yeah. anyone think of this before? Yeah, and, and I like in the show as well that you know uh, Jack Murdoch isn't like just this really mean dad. He's like he's like a nice dad. Like, he mm-hmm. wants everything good for Matt and he's not you know and I I forget which comics actually show it but you know where you know Jack hits Matt and all that kind of stuff and and I'm glad they didn't go that kind of route with the show you know Matt's Matt's relationship with his father is like so good and he wants he wants to you know have his dad be successful and all that kind of stuff. Not like the movie where you know, he's like that uh, enforcer kind of guy <laughs> just going around and causing trouble. Yeah, and, uh, there was a I lot also more. like that they changed the origin back to that, you know, the proper way he gets his... Because uh, he saves someone. Because he actually saves somebody and the whole radioactive, you know, thing 
drops off the truck instead of, you know, he's running away because his father is beating up some guy in the alley and he doesn't get to show him his report card or whatever that was. (laughs) That's (laughs) what it was. (laughs) And he just happens to run into all these, uh, you know, very dangerous uh, containers that are just sitting there. Yeah, the the movie origin works as as an origin for somebody, but just not quite Daredevil. Yeah, it it just, uh, okay, he just gets that power just like that. Yeah, because it it matters, yeah, it matters that, you know, there's something that Daredevil did, or Matt did, that would, you know, that speaks to his character, which eventually makes him having the powers. I forget sometimes that the movie totally glosses over that completely and doesn't include it. Yeah. Yeah, just like in the movie where he's just basically, he just starts doing some, uh, you know, stunts on the roof and sliding down some, you know, the buildings and stuff like that. And he's he's a ninja master now and he's able to fight everybody. And at least with the show, they at least give some kind of background, like how he even learns any of these moves mm-hmm. and hinting at the, the war that's going to come. So maybe that'll bring in Elektra and all that. That'd be awesome. Yes, it would. If we got to see the chase. And, and, you know, here we are. We we get to be excited about, you know, that instead of, oh, you know, are we even going to get another movie or or any kind of Daredevil? Is he even going to show up anywhere? Because, you know, Daredevil really doesn't show up in anything. Like, he's never in any cartoons. He's never in... He's been in a few. He's been in a few, but he's, he's never really a focal point of anything right he's uh, he'll be a guest star for like like one episode or you know there are barely any merchandise for him do you remember the failed uh, video game that never came out oh yeah yeah i remember that trailer (laughs) actually I, i forgot about it i had it on my computer i was going through video files recently and i found it i'm like holy shit this looks like crap like I, yeah, I remember yeah. at the time just having blinders on and being just like you know what I just want a Daredevil game yeah. I know it looks a little goofy but I'll, I'll just play it anyway and I'm really glad it never happened <laughs> well the company decided that they didn't want to even publish uh, video games like that so they just canned the whole thing right so it was just weird because they were having like they had ads in comics oh like, yeah they, all they, over the place. they sent me so much promo material for that they sent me like CDs of just pictures and screenshots and oh, wow. they even sent, they sent me like this it's like so much stuff on that and then just one day oh sorry we're not doing this anymore and that was it it was very strange that is strange well it's probably for the best <laughs> well just imagine like a, a video game now like just maybe even making it based on the show they could just have like so much to it but at least he's showing up in all those other uh, games that marvel has now that's true even... and i guess he was even in marvel what nemesis rise of the imperfect <laughs> oh yeah you know he wasn't terrible in that he was all right yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a great game by any stretch of the imagination but yeah. i thought he was all right because you got to you know throw his billy club and do some stuff and you know yeah. i i took it because it was the closest i could get to playing daredevil it's sad. It's sad the concessions you'll make when you're desperate. <laughs> well, hopefully now that Marvel can see that there are a lot of new readers, and I am seeing that there are a lot of new people that are maybe they're not fans of the comic yet, but they're fans of the show and the character. And I do get a lot of people 
emailing asking you know where do i start reading what's the best stuff to read and where do you tell them to start uh you know the the you know the the highlights the miller stuff the volume two born again anything like that i i usually don't say any of the the older stuff because you really don't need to know that no it just feels so it's so tonally different like yeah they won't even know what they're looking at (laughs) yeah so you know maybe you know the miller collections the three at the start born again then maybe into all the volume two the wade stuff into volume three and four because because now we get we get so many collections of things right back back you know when i started there was barely anything that was collected it was all just you know you had to find a back issue so it's good and then people can also get that marvel unlimited they can buy it off the marvel app Mm -hmm. so it's good that they have like all these different ways that people can read and i know there's lots of people who you know say oh which which stuff should i download and i go don't tell me that you're downloading just just tell me what you what you want to read they they just you know they tell me oh yeah i've just downloaded all of volume two on my on my dvd and uh, i just go come on don't, don't tell me that. Yeah, well, because we're, we're defenders of the medium, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, sure, I want to have more people reading, but we can't, uh, you know, I do have kill to s- the source, right? True. I do have to say, it's interesting, um, you know, buying a lot of this Daredevil material I already have and have enjoyed uh, digitally on Comixology. It's just such an interesting new way to experience comics that I'm very familiar with already, just because mm-hmm. of the guided view. Like, it really does change the way... You can read a comic. Oh yeah. I mean, especially when it's like a new comic you haven't read before, because it just you know you're so isolated in each panel, which is such a very fascinating experience. Because as you know, with with the paper copy, you can kind of you can kind of see what's coming up next, even if you don't mean to. But oh, yeah. but not yeah. being able to do that at all and just isolating it, it just makes it such a you know a unique experience that no one had ever really thought of before. Yeah, that that's good for looking up uh, information and things like that. Because me trying to find you know my one copy of whatever in one of these boxes in my basement to <laughs> look up information, it's it's much easier to just find it like that. Because you know I pretty much know around what issue I'm looking for, so I can just uh, look at it that way. Because uh, and I find that even now my my collecting is more in uh, trade paperbacks and collections like that or or online yeah I, i'm I'm seeing that's more and more the trend for myself i mean i've cut down most of my singles these days but you know there's a few i i, I will continue to always purchase and like the aforementioned spider-man is kind of my daredevil uh in terms of that character who i will follow through almost everything and i've seen a lot of garbage <laughs> uh because i've followed him through a lot of not so good periods and i'm sure you've seen the same with daredevil yeah Although for the most part you've been lucky, if you know, he's actually had because he's only had one book. I mean, that's part of what makes him, in some ways, better is that you haven't had to like with Spider-Man. He had like four books, so you'd have a good one and maybe a medium one, and then two garbage ones for like a long yeah. time. There was just so much more distilled versions of the character, whereas at least you had more of a concise. Yeah, at least you only have to find them in one place. Yeah, like for for the most part, I've enjoyed 
Daredevil, like, there hasn't really been anything that I've just went, oh my god, this is, like, the worst thing I've ever read. I, I, Not even the, the Surgeon old... General? Uh, it's, it's funny, right? It's for its time. It was right after but... Last Rites, though. How do you, how do you top that? Like, you topple the yeah. Kingpin, and then the next yeah. month we're gonna have, like, that stuff, and, like, the owl looking ridiculous? Like, it's just oh, yeah, a weird yeah, yeah. period. But I, I think the my least favorite i don't want to say hate because you know i don't want to say anything bad about daredevil right but uh <laughs> but uh least favorite i i guess is uh when when chichester was writing under his pseudonym the alan smithy hmm. uh, book and when he was basically fired off the book when they weren't supposed to tell him or something the long story about that one but uh that whole story where what's that guy's name cruel or whatever his name was oh, that's right. and then you know they kill off gloriana and just all the coincidence of everybody meeting at the same place and all this stuff going on and it, it that's that whole period there like after after mcdaniel stopped drawing daredevil yeah. There was that whole Fathoms of Humanity arc, which I thought was pretty good. I thought the story was good. I didn't really like the artwork. It was too, I don't know, dark and... Kind of grainy it, almost. Like Yeah, and the costume just didn't look the same, right? Because it was colored differently and like that. And then that whole period from there up to even the start of uh, the J.M. DeMatteis run, a lot of those comics i just don't read again they're they just don't appeal to me yeah i don't know if i've read them in a long time like i'm just looking at some like at the covers on your website i'm like yeah i don't i don't actually want to go back and read some of those <laughs> there is a good warren ellis story in there but uh where is it <laughs> it's at 340 something i forget okay 43 i think uh, i don't remember yeah, it was it was it was a very interesting period, <laughs> right? And that whole you know, what, what were they doing a Marvel Double Edge or Marvel Edge? Or oh yeah, like yeah. That. yeah, yeah, Marvel Edge. But, yeah, where they had to put all those characters into one imprint, and then they had one group editor and all that stuff. Yeah. Did you uh, did you ever like the whole um, uh, what's his what's her name, Rosalind Sharp? Did you like her? It, I thought she was a good character. I I, I did like uh, the interactions with Foggy because Foggy I like just his his whole character, just the way that he's always just so just so awkward, especially around this this character here. His mother is uh, I guess his birth mother, right? So uh, where is she now? Um, that's a good question. I did. I did remember seeing something that she was hired by Kingpin to be a lawyer, but that was a long time ago. That was like I think like early volume two, maybe. Yeah, and and I did, I did ask Brubaker at Brubaker where she was at Foggy's funeral when he was supposedly dead, uh, but he said he just didn't feel like uh, you know having all these characters mm-hmm. there. True. So I think only like his immediate, you know, current family was there. But then, where are they right now? You know, Foggy's dead again. <laughs> where is? He? Where are they? You know, I think Foggy's just... died more times than Daredevil. <laughs> right. So 
effort to bring in all these, you know, past characters and just keep doing something with them. And that's why, you know, Becky and Dakota North and all those characters have disappeared too, because once the new writers come on, they want to do their own thing, right? Yeah, it's it's a shame, because, I mean, that's part of what, as fans, we like about these characters whether it be Spider-Man, Daredevil, or whatever, it's just we like the supporting cast. There's a reason why we like that world. And it's just sad when some of those characters just kind of get shuffled off and very, you know, just, just forgotten about. Yeah. At least Karen Page got ridden out to go, you know, become a movie star, right? Like, way yeah. back in the day. Like, at least, you know, they gave her an ending. Yeah. And then they brought her back in the worst way possible. Yeah. I always wondered what Frank Miller had against her, like... Like, that's kind of awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, how old was I then? I was like 11, 12, whatever, the, how old I was. So, even then, like, now I read I read those, like, I, I read Born Again, like, every so often, because, you know, it's it's one of the best stories of Daredevil, right? So I just keep on reading it, and, and, and I realize now, like, when I was younger, I didn't realize that she was going through, like, withdrawal from her drugs or and stuff like that. I did not understand any of that. I didn't know any of that. <laughs> so I read it now, and I'm going, oh, yeah, that's what was going on. She, she, she's, uh, she's going through withdrawal. She hasn't had any hit. <laughs> <laughs> the innocence of youth, right? <laughs> so, so it's just funny. And then just noticing all the, you know, the ways David Mazzuchelli, uh you know, drew some of the layouts and, you know, the, the common elements uh, of the first pages. and mm-hmm. But then that's because I've been looking through that uh, that artist edition as well. You, did you get get that? Sadly, uh, no. I kind of uh, missed it. I missed out on that and I've been really upset about it. Yeah, that's such a great thing to just look through and see, like, all the different things that, uh, just the little, you know, things in the margins and what they you know under the whiteout and things like that it's pretty cool yeah that's kind of on my on my on my list of something i need at some point i don't i don't want to you know spend the amount of money that people want for it but uh (laughs) but yeah someday someday that'll be part of my collection (laughs) anyways thank you for joining us today i know you've given us a lot of your time so i appreciate it i enjoyed it i hope i uh didn't ramble on too much not at all and uh no people are, are really going to enjoy your your, uh, your stories about your daredevil love <laughs> cool all right thanks adam thank you all right talk to you soon will do bye-bye all right bye